Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. All right, we've got another week coming at us here on the Laser Therapy Institute podcast. Thanks for joining me again today. My name is Dr. Jason Roundtree. I'm a chiropractor and certified medical laser safety officer, and I'm the founder of Laser Therapy Institute. We're bringing this podcast to you today in another research-focused episode. This one is going to be talking about ice versus light for skeletal muscle recovery. This is a pretty interesting topic if you're focused on sports medicine in your practice uh, or if you treat a lot of athletes in general. Ice has been used for decades now to help reduce delayed onset muscle soreness and also try to restore function of the muscles faster uh, through cryotherapy rather than simply rest or other types of therapies. So this is an interesting dig into how that works, why that works, or maybe why it doesn't. So before I go any further, though, I want to talk a little bit about Laser Therapy Institute. LTI is a training organization for doctors and clinicians who use laser therapy in practice. Our focus is on providing techniques and laser settings and protocols for you to use in your practice with your patients so that you can see better results, which will translate to practice growth. And we assist through all of those steps, not only learning how to do the treatments, helping you find the right equipment, but also into helping to grow your practice. There are many things that you should be aware of when you're growing a laser therapy practice, even if it is just a component of a physical therapy or chiropractic practice or even into orthopedics and cancer care. There are several things that you need to be aware of and that might be a little bit foreign to you as far as even hiring or training certified laser techs. So let us help you out with that. To find out more, you can go to our website, lasertherapyinstitute.org. You can browse some information there. There's a lot of resources on the website you can look at as well. You can set up a meeting with one of our staff to find out more about how this program could benefit you in your practice. But today we're looking at a piece of research that came out in 2019 in the Journal of Sport Rehabilitation. It's titled, The Effectiveness of Photobiomodulation Therapy versus Cryotherapy for Skeletal Muscle Recovery, a Critically Appraised Topic. If you've ever attended some of the in-person trainings that I've done or, or heard some of our podcasts or been on some of our webinars and such, you've probably heard me uh, give ICE a bad time. And there, there's a number of reasons behind that. But when I found this article, I thought, yes, we can finally compare ICE to light therapy or laser therapy. So I want to give you the bottom line up front here and then dig into the exact cellular mechanisms that are happening here on why ice may not be the best option for athletic performance and muscle recovery. The researchers say there is moderate evidence to support the use of photobiomodulation therapy or light therapy over cryotherapy when using this modality post-exercise for muscle recovery in trained and untrained athletes. Shorter recovery times, identified by a fast return to baseline muscle torque and subjective muscle soreness values, can be seen 24 to 96 hours following photobiomodulation therapy application. Lower markers of muscle damage, creatinine kinase, which lead to less inflammation markers, were found 24 to 96 hours after PBMT treatments. However, CK levels after cryotherapy treatments followed similar patterns to placebo treatments. So there it is, black and white. 
laser therapy and light therapy works better than ice. Ice may actually not be helping any better than placebo treatments. And I think this is really, really interesting. I want to get into now what's happening in the muscle during exercise because that sets up the conversation on what needs to happen in the muscle post-exercise to improve recovery, to reduce soreness, help that muscle repair and reduce inflammatory levels. So again, quoting from the study here, after completing an intense exercise, especially one that is unfamiliar, an athlete experiences physiological stress within the affected muscles. Who does that sound like? That sounds like your high school athletes who are breaking into new new skills or a new sport. It also sounds like some of us middle-aged guys who are trying to get back into the gym and starting to try and uh, return to weightlifting or other sports performances and then experiencing uh, maybe an unfamiliar physiological, physiological stress within the muscles. The researchers go on to say that muscle stress causes energy substrate depletion, such as glycogen and adenosine triphosphate, mechanical muscle damage, oxidative stress, inflammation, and neuromuscular fatigue. Muscle fibers are damaged as a result from exercise, especially from prolonged or strenuous exercise. As a response to this exercise-induced muscle damage of the muscle, an inflammatory process occurs to heal and regenerate damaged fibers. And this damage is shown by an increase of creatinine kinase, blood lactate, and frequency of necrosis. So that's essentially what's happening in exercise, right? Especially in untrained muscles or in a new activity where muscles are being used in a different way. Anything that's prolonged, like a, a long basketball game where you're having to use those muscles for a long period of time. Uh, or, or really strenuous exercise like what we see a lot with uh, the folks that are doing CrossFit and other high-intensity training, interval training. This becomes a significant factor. Delayed onset muscle soreness that comes after this, just the soreness aspect subjectively for the patient can really delay that ongoing training. Uh, and if you've ever tried to jump back into the gym after a long period of being out and tried to do some of the things you've done in there before um, uh, your rest period began, you're going to notice a lot of soreness and it's going to probably prevent you from doing very much for the next couple of days as far as athletic performance. So whether, it, whether we're talking about athletes or your weekend warriors or the folks who are detraining or just trying to get back into shape, this muscle soreness issue and muscle damage, muscle necrosis, and inflammatory response within the muscles uh, can really impact this training and performance aspect of athletes and non-athletes. Another quote from this study says that many athletes, coaches, and sports medicine professionals utilize cryotherapy, cold therapy, as the primary modality for muscle recovery, especially following an intense training session. There continues to be widespread use of cryotherapy techniques post-exercise, despite inconsistencies in the literature, validating its effectiveness. Cryotherapy decreases the tissue metabolic rate promotes superficial vasoconstriction, decreases vascular permeability, and leads to less edema formation. Now, cryotherapy is able to improve subjective measures of recovery after intense exercise bouts, such as a self-reported muscle soreness. But when you compare that to what laser therapy can do for that self-reported muscle soreness, light therapy outperforms ice every time for reducing soreness. And further, the objective measures of muscle force, which is lactate, uh, creatinine kinase, and the inflammatory markers, those are actually hindered when you do cryotherapy. So when you ice the muscle, you might be helping someone feel better on the subjective side, 
but you're not helping muscle recovery. As a matter of fact, you may be hindering muscle recovery. Whereas with light therapy, not only are you going to be helping those markers move the right direction on the objective side, but you're going to be helping the patient on the subjective side for soreness as well. And wouldn't you rather be helping the patient both feel better and be better rather than feel better but maybe not respond or recover as quickly as they should post-exercise? The researchers go on to say that compared with placebo-treated groups, cryotherapy demonstrated no difference in creatinine kinase or blood lactate levels at any time points. However, photobiomodulation therapy, or light therapy, protected the muscle against damage with significantly lower levels of muscle damage markers. Thus, inflammation markers of C-reactive protein and leukocyte analysis were also lower in groups treated with light therapy. Further, oxidative stress that is increased after an intense exercise decreases contractile function, but light therapy during repeated high-intensity muscular exercise bouts aided in preventing a decrease in maximum voluntary contraction. However, cryotherapy treatment resulted in significant decreases in maximum voluntary contraction. So several things there. For one, the light therapy groups did much better with their inflammatory markers post-exercise, whereas cryotherapy made no difference at all. When you get to that maximum voluntary contraction, that one rep max, if you will, light therapy helped to prevent a decrease in that strength in repeated bouts of exercise. But when they were icing the muscles between these bouts of exercise, you had significant decreases in maximum voluntary contraction. So those are hard numbers, hard data that really support the idea that light therapy can outperform cryotherapy for muscular performance, even within an exercise routine. Now, if you're anything like me, we were taught about using ice in school. We've been using ice on the field and in clinic for decades now. And I think it's time to really step back and take a critical look at what we are doing. We don't really care if it feels good. It needs to be also helpful to the patient on an objective measure. And if you're only working on the subjectives for your patients, you're doing them a disservice. You need to address not only the subjective discomfort that they have, no matter what problem they're coming to you with, but also the objective function of the patient. How well the, the tissues are doing for strength and recovery. How well their performance is, whether it's athletic or just going to the grocery store and being able to walk the whole distance of the store right? We need to be looking not just at the subjectives, yeah, I feel better, but the objective measures. And that's where light therapy, in this case, outperforms cryotherapy, ice therapy in every aspect. So where do we get this idea that ice would be really helpful? Well, I want to bring you another source here. In addition to the study we're looking at today, I want to give you a link to Dr. Gabe Merkin's website. You'll find that in the show notes. So check that out. I'm going to read you an excerpt from one of his articles he posted in 2015. And first, understand that Dr. Gabe Merkin wrote the book Sports Medicine in 1978, where he coined the term RICE, rest, ice, compress, and elevate, which all of us, I think, have probably been taught if you've done anything in sports medicine. And in this article that I'm giving you the link to, he says, ice has been a standard treatment for injuries and sore muscles because it helps relieve pain caused by injured tissue. Coaches have used my RICE guideline for decades, but now it appears both ice and complete rest 
may delay healing instead of helping. A summary of 22 scientific articles found almost no evidence that ice and compression hastened healing over the use of compression alone. Dr. Merkin goes on to say that applying ice to injured tissue causes blood vessels near the injury to constrict and shut off the blood flow that brings in the healing cells of inflammation. The blood vessels do not open again for many hours after the ice was applied. This decreased blood flow can cause the tissue to die from decreased blood flow and can even cause permanent nerve damage. He goes on to say that anything that reduces your immune system response will also delay muscle healing. Thus, healing is delayed by cortisone-type drugs, pain-relieving medications such as NSAIDs, ibuprofen, immune suppressants, applying cold packs, and anything else that blocks the immune response to injury. And that's exactly what ice does. The cooling, he says, may help decrease pain, but it actually interferes with the athlete's strength, speed, endurance, and coordination. This is really, really ringing a lot of alarm bells for me. Because if we are applying ice as often as most people are between coaches and PTs and chiros and trainers on the field, if we're applying ice this much, we are doing a huge disservice to the recovery of these injured muscles. Yeah, you might make it feel a little bit better, but you are not helping the patient and you are actually harming the recovery process. So what are the conclusions we need to draw from all this information? Number one, you need to stop icing from muscle recovery. The researchers in the paper that I gave you say that based on consistent findings from all five studies included in their study, there is grade B evidence to support the use of photobiomodulation therapy over cryotherapy for more effective post-exercise recovery of skeletal muscle performance. If you have laser in your clinic, if you're using red and near-infrared light to help with healing, inflammation, and pain, this is a whole nother avenue you can be involved in. You can help athletes recover faster in between games, in between practices, in between training sessions. You can help those middle-aged folks that are returning back to the gym, trying to get back in shape again, and dealing with excessive muscle soreness that might actually derail their training process. You can work with high-level athletes in high-performance fields like baseball and football, basketball, that need to have faster performance recovery so they can get back on the field and do their jobs. This is a fantastic way to use your light therapy device. And I'm going to tell you right now, LTI has protocols for assisting with reducing this delayed onset muscle soreness and improving the performance recovery for muscles, both in athletes and untrained or detrained individuals. If you want to know more, please get a hold of us. You can email us, info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. Go to the show notes, check out the links we're going to give you there today. There's a bunch of free tools we can help you out with. There's a lot more information on the website, and you can connect with one of us to talk about how LTI can help your practice. Thanks for joining me this week, and I'll look forward to speaking with you next time. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.